Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that close tonight. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh. Down goes Duffy on Cole. Frank Mir does it again. Rock em, sock em, robots here. Oh my goodness. I believe There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull****. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, so back we are. Take two, actually, of episode 441 of the Anik and Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. John Anik, Kenny Florian on the DraftKings YouTube channel, on the DraftKings network, and of course, on the Anik and Florian podcast YouTube channel as well. So uh, maybe not the overdose of John Anik you were looking for this week, but we did tape something on Tuesday and it was a very complimentary segment of Charles Oliveira and Islam Akashev as we started our two-week preview of UFC 294 and the big point I was making is that there are UFC main events and then there are UFC championship main events and then there are UFC championship main events in which Bronx Charles Oliveira is involved and of course now he is no longer involved just been a crazy 72 hours for the uh, combat sports leader Ken Flo. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, timing is everything. I think we were on the wrong end of that timing with our podcast and all the news that broke over the last 24 hours. But, man, you know, listen, I think we have an even better fight. And that's hard to say when you have someone yeah. like Charles Oliveira who's involved in it, uh, a guy who's a true finisher through and through. But Volkanovsky, uh, of course, one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world for good reason. We are getting that rematch, a, a rematch which a lot of people called for after yeah. their first one. Uh, and I was just watching the fight, actually, and I heard the words out of Mr. John Anik say, we will remember where we were when we were watching it, and it was such a great fight, and now we're finally going to get that rematch, man. So I- I'm excited. Not ideal circumstances, yeah. which I'm sure we'll get into, but uh, take it away. Well, and I think your opinion is that of the majority, that this maybe feels heightened in some sense, that it is a bigger fight just because – The champion versus champion fight back in February between Islam Akashev and Alexander Volkanovsky was just so compelling. I think at times maybe it was more compelling than it was great, if I'm being honest, having watched it back this morning and the totality of those 25 minutes. I feel really badly for Charles Oliveira. And before we go four wide and do a little roundtable discussion here on UFC 294 and eventually get to our picks for uh, Yusuf and Barboza, I just want to talk about the training accident here for Charles Oliveira because Diego Lima, shoot boxes Diego Lima, his longtime chief corner and dear friend, posted a long post on Instagram in Brazilian Portuguese. And essentially, 
he's suggesting what a lot of people already know that at least as far as their preparation goes, sparring and the one-on-one nature of it is absolutely integral, not just for fight preparation, but in terms of actual strategization. And the other thing I would inject into the equation, Kenny, is that Charles Oliveira is a fucking warrior, a future Hall of Famer who is absolutely covered in scar tissue. So how about maybe just a demerit or just a little bit of some, I don't know, relief from the fan base a little bit and acknowledging that this athlete was really just trying to prepare for a world title fight and uh, caught ahead at the wrong time in the wrong place. And uh, now he can't show up October 21. These things happen, man. I, I think there was a string of maybe three fights where I got cut. Um, I think within 14 days of my fight, I was able to glue it together and no one really knew about it. But these things happen, man, a lot. And they happen in some silly situations. A lot of times uh, it's not a sparring situation. You're drilling something silly and, you know, you take a headbutt. Someone zigged when they should have zagged and boom, we get these things. But if you're trying to fight at the highest levels, right, you need everything you can get going in there with a cut, especially a cut that's probably as bad as the one Oliveira had, um, you know, could, could change the fight in an instant. You don't want that either. You don't want to go out there, fight 10 seconds, 30 seconds in, round one in, and that cut gets open and then they stop the fight. And then we're just like, what the hell were we here for? So I I think it does. It offers also an opportunity for a great fighter like Volkanovsky to step in there and give the fans what they want. So hopefully we see that fight at some point, but um, yeah, unfortunate uh, circumstances there for Charles Oliveira and his team. I just hope people will give Charles Oliveira the benefit of the doubt. And oftentimes when fighters pull out, I don't find that in totality they get the benefit of the doubt from the fan base. We talked to Joe Pfeiffer on Tuesday and staff infection almost caused him to have to pull out of his fight. So it's very hard to show up at 85%, never mind close to 100%. And, uh, you know, I think for Islam Akashev, there's huge excitement here because I think maybe the public perception of that first fight is not exactly in line with what actually transpired over those 25 minutes. Of course, we have the Paolo Costa injury news to dissect as well. So uh, plenty to come over the next 25 minutes or so as we get into all of this UFC 294 business. And joining us right now, uh, my dear friend, Ronnie Pellegrino, owner of the Paradise Cantina in Las Vegas, Nevada, longtime friend of the Anakin Florian podcast, joining us for the first time. Big Ron! I know you're not too starstruck with Ken Flo. I know you're not starstruck with Ken Flo. Dominic Cruz actually walked into the Paradise Cantina a few weeks ago. Also joining us, my twin brother, my best friend in the world, host of Remember the Show with Bilal Muhammad on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel, also host of Anik Squared, an NFL podcast right here on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Jason Anik with us as well. Good morning, man. What is up? Dude, Ron Pellegrino making his debut on the Anakin Florian Podcast. This guy (laughs) knows his shit. The twins, the twins, Ken Flo. Pleasure to meet you, my man. Well, what up, Ronnie? So I wanted to get uh, a few different perspectives as far as this UFC 294 news is concerned. And, of course, my brother texted me immediately. He's like, didn't you already voice that show? Thankfully, we didn't voice too much. The only thing we had actually voiced for these two fights were a line, you know, coming up next, co-main event, Paolo Costa taking on Kamzat Shimaev. Uh, but, Kenny... It's just crazy how the UFC is able to pivot because of their wealth of talent. Now, who knows what exactly Kamar Usman is getting paid to step in against Kamzat Chimaev, up 15 pounds on short notice, given his profile. But to be able to get Alexander Volkanovsky, a featherweight champion, to step up here on short notice, to be able to salvage both of these fights within 48 hours is just what speaks to the UFC's greatness in my mind. Absolutely. And again, when you have those 
kind of opportunities, right? This isn't just a main event fight. This is a championship fight. And, of course, we have history uh, with, with Volkanovski and Islam. So the fact that the UFC is able to turn around and not only find a, a fighter, but find a great fighter, an even better fight, in my yeah. opinion, uh, is phenomenal and just speaks to the resources that they have at their disposal. They told me I had to take less money in my next deal because I think they had <laughs> to give Volkanovski a bucket of cash to show up on short notice. Uh, but Kemflo suggests that maybe this is a bigger fight. Ron, how do you feel about losing the rematch between Charles Oliveira and Islam Akashev and getting what some people think seems like uh, a bigger, potentially more exciting fight? Well, I got to tell you, you got to do, you feel a little bad for uh, Charlie Olives on this one. Uh, he looked like he had an off night that night. Could have just been the greatness of Islam. But then when you saw what Volk did after that, um, we know what we saw in both fights, right? We got that. This is a rarity that we actually got to see a sample of both. Um, definitely right. more of the, the Volk Islam fight. And, you know, Volk's that guy, my man. I mean, he is just that guy. We talk about fighting cultures all the time. Yeah. Right. Who takes that? What champ takes that fight on 11 days notice? Who? Nobody. Nobody. Very few guys, if any. And I don't know exactly what our fighter meeting will entail in terms of how much truth will be coming out of him in terms of his preparation. I did find it interesting in watching the fight back this morning, how much Dominic Cruz talked about Volkanovsky's ability to sort of weaponize cardio and how maybe the fresher man would be the man who would reign supreme. We all know Volkanovsky finished that fight strongly. Jay, you watch back those 25 minutes this morning. I know the Volkanovsky fans are very upset with me at times during that call of the initial meeting. Uh, what were your thoughts on those 25 minutes having watched them back this morning? <clears throat> Fascinating to watch it. You know, you watch this thing back and not only do you know you're getting 25 minutes, but then, you know, in 11 days or 10 days, you're getting another 25 minutes of it. So it was interesting to watch it, knowing that there wasn't going to be a finish. Um, the judges nailed it. Uh, one of them had it four to one. The others, there was no discrepancies in any way with the judging. I certainly thought Islam won that fight almost, almost going away. I hate to say it as I rep Volkanovsky, shout out, ask James, appreciate you. But I really thought you meet me. It was close to four, one, but an easy three, two. And the thing about the cardio is very interesting. And Dom said at the end of round four, he's like, even if this fight doesn't get finished, I think we're going to see it again. And we're going to see it again this year. But Volkanovsky absolutely left you with the better taste in your mouth. Cause probably round five was the further, the, the least close round in terms right. of the way Volkanovsky finished it, but he did not win that fight. I'm very curious here from Kenny in terms of like where Volk could be at. I know all these guys say, Oh, I trained 24, seven, 365. Very curious where Volk is at because the clear advantage, it did feel like, I hate to say Islam was breaking, but Volk, it was starting to turn. It reminded me a little bit of when Jessica Andrade fought Rose Namajunas back in the day and lost the fight, but the taste in your mouth after oh. the fight was Jessica Andrade. Yeah. Flo? Yeah, we've got, we got double the anic minds now. I love it. I, I Jason, I think that's brilliant. And I think another thing to talk about is the fact that some of those rounds with some very minor adjustments could have swung Volk's way. Now, absolutely, Islam won that fight, but the adjustments are on Volk here. I thought Islam fought as good of a, a fight for the most part that he will fight. He's not necessarily known as this crazy finisher from the back, not against someone like Volkanovsky anyway, but he's great at taking the back. And he did have those opportunities. He was he was hitting a lot of those takedowns. But I think for Volkanovsky, what makes it so interesting was some minor adjustments. Um, I, I think he could win this fight. And, and I think that's why people are so excited about it. Now, the problem is, you know, he hasn't had a camp for 25 minutes, but Man, what a fight.
Well, and Volkanovsky was the guy who went into that first meeting with far more championship experience. Islam Akashev fighting that fifth round against Volkanovsky. That was the only time in his career and still is that he has realized a fifth round in a fight. In terms of the judges, men, uh, three of the best in the business, by the way, David Lethaby, Derek Cleary, and Ben Cartledge. It was unanimous decision for Islam Akashev. Derek Cleary gave rounds one through four all to Islam Akashev. And I think there is absolutely unequivocally an argument to be made that Makashev was up for nil. And I know people don't want to hear this. There was a Perth, Western Australia backdrop to this fight. And I would encourage people to watch this fight back on mute. And that's why I give credit to these judges, because I do think effectively they were able to tune out the noise. I thought rounds two and three were close. Ron Pellegrino, do you remember how you scored the first fight, how you bet the first fight and how that forecast for you into the second meeting? Vividly. Yeah, I remember vividly. I had, uh, I was the guy that had a two-teamer with uh, Yair by submission, if you recall. He submitted Emmett. And uh, vote by decision to win, you know, like 11000 for 150 bucks. <laughs> but uh, no big whoop. I, I'm not, uh, oh, wait a minute. I forgot about it. I forgot. I wanted to be, I wanted to fall. For you to take the VGK gear off. Oh, we're doing that? Ron? Coming soon, baby. <laughs> Coming soon, Wolverine. Turn out good. Yeah, Kenny Um, Florian Wolverine Designs coming soon. Big Ron, Big Ron, you have the floor. Sorry. (laughs) Listen, I remember that fight vividly. That was a banger. First of all, the disrespect that a guy that was undefeated in the UFC, featherweight, GOAT, I mean, I think we could say that at this point, can't we? I know the Aldo fans are out there. I know the the Maxis are out there. Man, he's that guy. He is that guy in every which way. And probably the most well-rounded mixed martial artists in the UFC. I don't even think that's like hard to argue about. Um, and that last fight in a loss proved it more than anything against Islam. But uh, what he did to Yair, I've got to see Volk live four times. Wow. First Max, and I'm the only guy I know that bet Volk three times against Max Holloway. And I love Max. <laughs> and I bet him three times. He's that guy, man. He does yeah. everything right. He's strong. I mean, he's got, a, he's got the strength. I go... I know everybody always talks about he was a 200-pound rugby player, but he carries that strength. I mean, he carries a different type of just man strength, you know what I mean? And he reversed – he gave Islam so much, so much respect in that fight for good reason because Islam doesn't make mistakes early, like at all. He just doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't put it – like meaning he doesn't take risks. He takes no unnecessary risk. And Volk – it is on him. Kenny said it. It is on him to to change, and I think he will. I think that – with that orthodox stance that he has against that lefty stance, that leg is out there to be chewed. I mean, just yeah. chewed up. Um, I think you're going to see him press it a lot more. I think he's going to use his cardio more than he ever did. And I think he felt his strength, and I think he feels good about it. I mean, I remember mid, mid-fight mid him literally saying, he's not strong, he's not strong. Right. I, I get it. You're saying that to your corner. You're going to be honest with anybody at that moment. You're going to be honest with your corner, right? Um, and when it comes down to one or two things – John, you said it actually when it happened. Um, three minutes, I think, left in the fourth round. That whole fight was decided, in my opinion, in those three minutes. Volkanovski made one actual real mistake, and you alluded to it, where he was kind of playing to the crowd. I think he was yelling at Islam's corner. Right. Yep. And he stopped the initial takedown. He spread. He got, he got up, and he, he rushed to the fence, and God, Islam took his back so quickly, sunk in that, uh, that body lock, and the round ended, and that's the whole fight. The whole yeah. fight ends up on that right then and there. 
I think um, you hit on a lot of truths there, and I do think Volkanovski can make some adjustments. I don't worry too much about his gas tank going in here. I still think he'll no. be able to uh, to weaponize pace. Kenny, Javier Mendez was on Submission Radio, and Javier Mendez is not a me guy at all. And not to suggest that this quote is a me quote, but he said, I want this fight for me. And it's very out of character for Javier Mendez to say that. I think it's because, in part, he feels like the narrative that's out there from that first meeting just does not at all align with the fight that his guy fought. And if you want to sit here and suggest that Islam Akashev was not dominant in that first fight, then maybe I will give you that, right, even if I had him winning the first four rounds. But, bro, the Makashev camp, in title defense number one, asked to fight Volkanovsky in his backyard in Perth. So to suggest that they don't want this fight in the worst way with an Abu Dhabi backdrop is crazy. I think Islam Akashep is very excited about what has transpired here over the last three days. Yeah, no question about it. And, and Islam is a guy that also is a very smart fighter. And we have two of the smartest fighters in the UFC. They know exactly what they need to do. They know how to execute. Both guys rarely make any mistakes. This is fighting at the highest level. Make no mistake about that. And, you know, as much as we're talking about Volkanovski making the adjustments and things like that, hey, guess what? Islam was in there with for 25 minutes with, with Volkanovski as well. He can make those same adjustments. He knows Volkanovski very well now. Uh, and, and could certainly make some adjustments to make things easier on him and to make him more effective when he does get into some of those grappling situations. And I think he also gained a lot of confidence on the feet. I mean, he was doing extremely well. I think part of that, again, I don't want to make excuses for Volkanovski, but I think Volkanovski, I think, took his foot off the gas a few times and didn't respect the striking of Islam. Um, so I, I think people may have underestimated Islam striking a little bit. I think he'll gain confidence from that performance as well yeah. because of how successful he was on the feet. So there, there's a lot of different directions that this fight can go, which is another reason why it's very exciting. I felt like largely Alexander Volkanovsky was getting sort of credit audibly and otherwise for his counter wrestling. His counter wrestling was unbelievable, Kenny, you know, but Makashev's striking defense was better than Volkanovsky's counter wrestling. And I do think you're right. It gave Makashev a real chance to showcase his striking. It also gave him the chance to acquire the confidence that comes with fighting 25 minutes. Uh, real quick, quick, big Ron Pellegrino right now. Islam Akashev, minus 225, the betting favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook. The comeback on Alexander Volkanovsky is plus 185. So the price on Islam going into that first meeting at close, roughly minus 380. Makashev can be had at minus 225. It sounds like your money is going to be on Volkanovsky in some way, shape, or form, uh, Big Ron. Is that fair to say or no? Well, yeah, a, lot, uh, a decent amount of it will be anyways. Uh, I'll, I'll have something coming back the other way if need be. But let me tell you this. That line opened at minus 190 for half a second, and then it went to 220, 240, whatever it's at right now. You know what that means in Vegas? They have no fucking clue who's going to win that fight. They have no clue because they, sh they shouldn't know. that The fight was that close the first time around. Whenever it's two to one, Dagestanis in general, for good reason, because they always got that win, but Dagestanis in general, they overlay the hell out of them in Vegas. They overlay them so much because they're not giving you free money. You're going to have to lay it to get money off Yeah. To get Islam, I, bet, I think the lowest he was before this was against Volk. And other than that, he's been minus 500 plus his entire career. You know, so, um, yeah, I'm Volkan you're going to give me Volkanovski on short notice. Yeah, I get it. He doesn't have to cut the 45. He's only yeah. going to cut the 55. He's an right. animal. Uh, and don't think that for the last 10 months, 
he hasn't been exactly training for Islam because he knows what he did wrong in that fight. He, well, exactly right. Exactly what he did in that fight. And right. not to suggest that he was training for October 21st, but no. I'm not no, sure if I can no lean totally into his quote on his YouTube channel saying, let's go out and finish this guy. No pressure on me, baby. No pressure at all. All the pressure's on him. I'm coming off the couch. You better do something about it. Uh, Jay, can I ask you real quick before we pivot to the co-main event, how you feel about the betting line? I mean, you felt like Makashev pretty cleanly won that first meeting and the price is obviously much shorter on him for Makashev betters here for the rematch. Well, for me, it's like how many days ago would Volk have been in Abu Dhabi? Right. How many hours is the difference? Right. Like I'm starting to think like I think about you and you're going next week. It's like I just think there are so many elements for Volk that if the playing field was even and Kenny, when you just talked about Islam making adjustments, that kind of kicked me back a little bit, too, because you can be sure he will. And and, you know, I, I, I the betting line, John, I couldn't give a shit about. But but Islam striking was far better than Volks in that first meeting when I watched it back. And so yeah. I, but I do yeah, think, and I think there is a lot of opportunity for Volk, but I think he needs to go for the kill. Maybe he doesn't give a shit about the five rounds. Maybe he's like, I'm going balls out, going for the finish again. Now, a lot of these guys moving up out of Sanya, they don't really give a shit. You know what I mean? He's going to fight for his own belt in January in Toronto. That's Jason Anik here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Ronnie Pellegrino also with us today. Ken Flo on hand coming up shortly. Brian Petrie, as we make predictions for uh, Sadiq Youssef and Edson Barboza, but we are retaping this episode, digesting all of the UFC 294 news, and uh, we look forward to getting Ken Flo's prediction in actuality uh, next week on the show. But Ken Flo, I got to ask you about this Paulo Costa situation. Seemingly, maybe elbow bursitis. There has been one surgery. There is going to be a second surgery. And then a third. And I feel really bad for one of the hardest workers in the room. And gosh, I mean, it just felt like if you could get a betting line as to whether or not this Paulo Costa Kamsachi Maya fight would actually come together, you'd probably bet on it not getting to October 21. Unfortunately, that's our reality. Ken flew the good Kenny. The good news is Kamar Usman steps in. But man, I want to see Paulo Costa and Kamsachi Maya engaged at 185 pounds. Why can't we have nice things, guys? You know, uh, I, I was I was looking forward to this one, man. I think Paulo Costa is just crazy enough to believe he could win that fight, and I think that's what made it so interesting. You know, uh, it looked like he was getting in shape, but uh, the, you know, bursitis in the knee, elbow, and those joints—it really is a pain in the ass because they always come back to reveal themselves, and you know, you you kind of. It's very easy to get whether you're throwing elbows at a pad or a bag or, you know, taking shots and sparring, but you can get, you know, um, a lot of like just other like foreign bodies in there and you find one and there's going to be others in there. And from the surgery itself, then it swells back up. And then if you're training for a fight, it's easy to kind of uh, to kind of get get back in, in there and in, in bad shape. So anyways, um, unfortunately, we, we don't have that one. Uh, we, we do have uh, it looks like Usman's getting in there and then yeah. that makes things interesting. But um yeah, unfortunate for, for that one. I was really looking forward to that fight. Certainly, you can argue that Alexander Volkanovsky and Kamar Usman don't have a lot to lose. I would argue firmly the other side of that because they are two future first ballot Hall of Famers and two of the greatest of all time. And he's still getting this rematch against Islam Akashev. The fight's still going to happen, right, regardless of how much time he's had to prepare. And for Kamar Usman, right, yeah, you can say he has twice lost to Leon Edwards and moving up a division. So maybe he has even less to lose in theory, right? But the guy wants to be competitive against Hamzat Shimaev. Ron, I'll ask you, how competitive will he be? Up 15 pounds right now, Usman plus 220 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Shimaev, the prohibitive favorite, perhaps minus 270 right now as the betting favorite. Your thoughts? 
I got to tell you, Usman's been training for five rounders his whole goddamn life, it seems like. <laughs> I mean, he's been in five rounders for forever. It's a three-round fight. I mean, if I was Hamza, I'd get him out of there as quick as possible. Mm. I mean, as quick as possible. Because every minute that fight goes longer, I mean, you saw his take against God. We, we don't, like, you know, we talk about how Costa never fights in it. When the hell was the last time Hamza fought? And we don't even know what he's capable of at that I mean, I, I know that wrestling always translates and that's the hardest and that's the quickest path. But literally, we don't know. We saw him against Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns stopped a couple takedowns, if I remember. Gilbert Burns is, is a dog. Uh, Gilbert Burns hit him with his jab. Who's got the best jab in the business, man? Usman's got that brutal jab. I got a feeling he could pump it in there a little bit. And the fact that it's a three-rounder, I think he's live. I, I don't think he has a lot, like, Yes. Do, do, do they have pride because they're champions? Of course, they're not, you know, they have nothing to lose, but maybe they go in there loose. I'll say that. They definitely will probably go in there with a little, little, little bit of, uh, let's see what we can do and just try to yeah. let it rip. You know what I mean? I, I think the see- stare down, sorry to cut you off, Big Ron. I think the stare down is going to be interesting too, to see Kamar Usman at 185 pounds. Kenny, I want to go back to you on this, a question from one of our listeners, house cat who watches MMA. With Usman and Volk stepping in at a higher weight class, can you offer any insight as to how you felt at a more natural weight and how that affected your performance, both in terms of positive, not starving, mental clarity, and negative, larger opponents? So I guess in terms of Usman specifically, Ken Flo, this is territory that he has not realized in the UFC, I don't believe, at 185 pounds. These are two major factors. It's a great question. I think that you'll find in both Volkanovski and Usman that they are going to feel like they have that much more energy and that much more power. They're not going to be cutting down to a, a weight, which is a huge burden on them. Um, Stress-wise, physically, um, you know, all those things, diet-wise, those are things that could, could really break you over time, and it makes it way easier for those guys to prepare and just focus on the fight itself, yeah. right? Because many times getting on the scale is the first fight. And for these guys, I don't think it's going to be so much of an issue. So I, I think we'll get them at full power. Um, how long that power can be sustained is another question, especially for Volkanovsky, it being a 25 minute fight. But I agree with Ron, like 15 minutes. I think he could do that all day. I think any professional fighter, if you get the call, um, you know, maybe not at the elite level, but as far as going a hard 15 minutes, I think every professional fighter should be able to do that. Um, and yeah. I think the thing we're not talking about is Usman being a great wrestler. This is one of the best takedown artists in UFC history. What other wrestler at that level has Chimaya faced? Yeah. And if right. the wrestling does get canceled out, hey, it's, it's anyone's game. I think Chimaya, I, I assume, I, I would hope that he learned from that last fight against Gilbert Burns because I think he expected power to just get Gilbert Burns out of there. Right. And when that failed, I think we saw some vulnerabilities in Chimaya's striking. Yeah. Yes, he's powerful. Yes, he's fast. Does he have the defensive capabilities and this slickness yet? I'm not so sure. And I think we may be forced to see that because their wrestling could very well cancel each other out. Every single fighter meeting, Kamzat Chimaev would always say he just craved that war. He wanted that like Hall of Fame type fight. He certainly got it at UFC 258 against Gilbert Durinho Burns. Uh, Jay, other than environmental factors, we have the same DNA. So I know you can relate to this, just the special feeling when Kamzat Chimaev fights, right? We haven't seen him in more than a year. 
he's just an absolute force. Like it's, it's really a, a navigation for me calling a Hamzat Shimaya fight because there's just something so electric about seeing that absolute fucking Chechen monster touchdown on that canvas. It's unbelievable. I'll never forget in Jacksonville, the fight with him and Burns, I think it was third from the top and, that was the one, um, you yeah. know, it's uh, no. And, and for me, right. I, I think a lot about his cardio because he scares the shit out of me, but then he does fade. And I do think Usman, depending on where he's at might really, I, I, you know, I think he's a little bit of a live dog here. Yeah. Cosmo moves the needle for me, but for Usman, is this not perfect? Right. It's like nothing really there for you with Leon Vardy beat Colby, whatever. I mean, what a perfect spot for this guy. Certainly getting yeah. some paper too. I oh. mean, um, but I think so much of it with Volk and Usman, depends on truly where they are at right now. I agree with you very much, Kenny. Like any one of these guys certainly should be training enough to be able to do 15 minutes, but where are they at right yeah. this instant? You know? Uh, John, I, I guess I, I, I'm curious from, from Jay and, and Ron uh, what they think about what would happen if Chimaev goes out there and starches someone like a Kamaru Usman. And I know it would be at 185, but still that would be impressive as hell. Where would both of those guys go from there, right? I mean, Chimaev is already a huge star. If he goes out there and knocks out, takes out Usman, I, I think probably in any round, that would be impressive as hell. I don't know where Usman would go from there, but what would you guys – I mean, is he just going to be the next middleweight champion if that happens? They're sure, they're sure shit going to line him up for it. That's for certain. <laughs> I mean, the guy's – look, he is a jogger now. I'm not – take no – you know – I'm, I no disrespect towards him whatsoever. Hamza's a beast. I'm just saying we haven't seen him, and we haven't seen him against that wrestler. We haven't seen him against yeah. that, you know, that guy that could stand up and do both. If if Hamza becomes somewhat one-dimensional, which I don't know if he, Gilbert forced him to become one-dimensional in that fight, or he just said, F it and went just balls, you know? I don't know. But he got caught a lot when he did that. Yeah. And uh, Usman's been in there with some, you know, some real killers. And, I mean, he made – Colby Covington looked like he was standing still in some of those rounds, which yeah. nobody does. So, man, uh, yeah, short answer is, yeah, they give him the belt. Of course they give him yeah. a shot at the now. Give him the belt. They give him a shot at the belt. But, right. I mean, he's that guy, and he did – I mean, he has the style to just give anybody problems. His tank, question mark. If you're making your Anakin Florian podcast debut with a lighter in your hand, then you're my hero even more than I thought before this interview. I think the lighter is red, you fucking animal. Uh, Jay, what do you have on all that noise? Well, no, I mean, I think 100% Chimaev next for, I mean, I think winner will get the next opportunity at middleweight. And I think for Chimaev, it's, I mean, he's already, he's already that star. I think seeing him regularly and seeing him defend his belt, I know there were some visa issues here and there, but can't wait to watch him fight. But 100%, I think he's next for the belt as long as there's a W green stripe after his, after this yeah this fight this was a title eliminator between Paolo Costa and Hamzat Shimaev Sean Strickland does not have a next opponent nobody seems to think there's going to be an immediate rematch with Israel Adesanya Kamar Usman and Sean Strickland have history they fought once before those are two difficult matchups for Sean Strickland but you don't think Kamar Usman is thinking if somehow I can beat this guy yeah. and position myself to become a two division champion on the heels of that series with Leon Edwards, all upside, I think for Kamar Usman this weekend or next. And, weekend, he, and he probably still bigger than Strickland, you know, being, being a welterweight, he might still be bigger than Strickland. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, in that middleweight division, you can be sure I've talked to my boy, Bilal Muhammad about the matchups there for him at times over the last year, whether it's Adesanya matchup, but a guy like Strickland, certainly physically Bilal thinks he can match up with him. Yeah. All right. Well, if you've heard nothing Kenny said today, I hope what resonates most with you is that every fighter, and this is a broad generality, 
But every fighter, for the most of a calendar year, should be ready to go three hard fives, especially for fighters outside the UFC looking in, but even for fighters on this roster. I just, I just think it can only benefit you, right? Because if Kamar Usman was really one of these fighters that completely let himself go, there's no way he would sign on the dotted line to face Kamzat Chimaev, and that could be relinquishing a seven-figure payday and potentially the opportunity to fight for the undisputed UFC middleweight championship. All right, if you want to meet Ronnie Pellegrino, check out the Paradise Cantina in Las Vegas. You can check out his episode on Bar Rescue. It was absolutely incredible. At Ronnie <laughs> Pellegrino. I love you, champ. You're the man. The king of Las Vegas. Big Ron. And, Thank you, guys. Uh, I couldn't appreciate so much fun. Thank you so much. We appreciate having you on. Don't call. be a stranger. You know it. And, uh, of course, Jason Anik at Boston Anik on Instagram. You can catch him with Bilal Muhammad every Thursday on Remember the Show. Fellas, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, we'll do it again. Thank you guys for bringing it. Outstanding work. Good stuff. Appreciate you, boys. Better boys. All right, Kenny. Interesting. See you, boys. Interesting stuff with this this whole UFC 294 shakeup, man. You know, I really feel for Charles Oliveira. I really do. And uh, and Paolo Costa as well. And, you know, these things happen, right? And there was a stretch a couple of years ago where the UFC was just bitten by this injury bug, something fierce when it came to main events. And it just kept happening uncannily time and time again. And uh, we've been in a cr- pretty good place, but thankfully uh, we got championship level athletes, hall of fame athletes like Alexander Volkanovsky and Kamar Usman who can step up and seemingly save the day. Well, I, I think this is the beauty of, of having an organization like the UFC that is pretty open-minded to changes. And I remember talking about this several years ago, we kind of uh, hypothesized, Hey, what if the UFC just always had a guy on standby to come in for these big title fights? Well, it seems like they're really doing that now. Yeah. Um, whether it's a guy who's coming in to weigh in or whether they have people that they can call and rely on to come into these big spots because Volkanovsky coming in here like he is, is absolutely saving the card and perhaps making it even better. So um, the fact that the UFC is has been more active and way more prepared for these kinds of incidences with just yeah. combat sports. It's going to happen a lot. It's huge, man. And they should absolutely be applauded for it. So phenomenal fight. Now, Justin Gaethje, of course, in most people's minds, I don't know if he has the number one next to his name. I think Charles Oliveira is that guy would be next in line. And I'm sure Justin Gaethje got a phone call. Dustin Poirier got a phone call, but Justin Gaethje, Probably not in a position to take this championship fight and take this fight with Makashev right now, which you yeah. certainly uh, can understand. But there's credit to go around on all sides for Islam Makashev, Alexander Volkanovsky, Kamar Usman, Kamzat Shimaev deserves credit. And also a shout out to Mataj Gamrot stepping up on short notice to be a backup here because if Volkanovsky just couldn't make this walk and deal with all the travel and everything comes with getting to Abu Dhabi and fighting Islam Makashev, Mataj Gamarop was probably stepping into that main event and suboptimally after fighting Rafael Fazib a few weeks ago. So shout out to uh, Mataj as well. So, all right. We'll see how it all plays out nine days from now at UFC 294. But we have a UFC fight night coming up this weekend and predictions on that are coming up in 60 seconds. But the NFL season is also going strong right now. And DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. So week six of the NFL beckons. A lot of marquee matchups on the board. My eyes are on Monday Night Football. Can the Cowboys respond to that drubbing? On the road. This time they're at the Chargers. Chargers coming off the bye. 
Huge spot for both teams. I will have action. I'm not going to tell you where it is, though. But you can get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code AFPOD. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That is code AFPOD. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, this Saturday night, live from the Apex, it is UFC Fight Night, Yusuf versus Barboza. And now we get some picks to click in the main event challenge. Let's get to Petri. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And Johnny, by the way, you congratulate the new dog. You have the same dog I got. We got the same dog. How about congratulations? Yeah. Wow. Great dog. My dog's seven years old. He's fantastic. Uh, I got him for my, it was like a wedding gift for my wife. That's like her dream puppy or whatever. Yeah. After our wedding, we went and picked him out. Uh, and he's been fantastic. The best thing we ever did. So, uh, yeah, congrats on the new puppy. Well, thank you. No, man's best friend. I absolutely love her. But I was so sick of my kids asking for a dog. <laughs> like, I was going to try to find one and put it under the fucking Christmas tree. Sure. And then that just became hard to time out. And like, maybe my mom was going to have to keep the thing for a couple months and that was not going to work. So, uh, sure. Yeah. No dog under the Christmas tree, but you got a dog and now you got to fucking walk it, you know? They That's right. Him, yeah. They broke him. He tapped out. All right. So, Bri, we have a little yeah. bit of business to attend to as sure. far as the pronunciation of the week. Now, yeah. this is a more, more of a, like a public service announcement because I'm confident you can pronounce this man's name correctly, but I do hear yeah. it get butchered a lot. So, who's Edson Barboza fighting this weekend in the UFC main event, Bri? Who's he fighting? I, I believe it's Sadiq Yusuf. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes Wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. It's Kentucky Derby time. Are you ready for the greatest two minutes in sports? Well, saddle up with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Download DK Horse now to join the Run for the Roses action. New customers, 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when you opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app today. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states, to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply void where prohibited. See terms at dkhorse.com, one per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, let's butcher? hear. Uh, no, it's pretty close. It's good <laughs> enough for me, but let's hear Super Sadiq. Super Sadiq Yusuf. 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 All right, that's probably good enough. Yusuf. <laughs> Unless you want to hear one more time, Ken Flower, bro. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. Yeah. Sadiq Youssef has been pushing out uh, some unorthodox MMA predictions, some great content on YouTube. I feel like we should give him a segment or something on the Anakin Florian podcast. He's outstanding. Great voice. But yeah, no Mm -hmm. Vs. It's pretty straightforward as it kind of looks. Youssef, Sadiq Mm -hmm. Youssef. And then we also have to handle this other name. So Brian doesn't necessarily know this is coming. So also competing on this fight card. And nor does Ken Flo, by the way. So... This fighter lost to Rob Font in Miami earlier this year. We announced him as Adrian Yanez. And you will likely notice a new pronunciation pronunciation of his surname on the broadcast this weekend. But upon signing with the UFC, Cody, first we want the file of Adrian Yanez when he signed with the UFC. And I love this kid, by the way. This is all in good fun. But here is how Adrian Yanez said his name to tape when he signed with the UFC. Adrian Yanez. Adrian Yanez. All right, so I get the combo feature from our great researcher, Tom Gerbasi, and then I go listen to that file, and it says Adrian Yanez, and I voice it as such. But credit to Alex Bahunin, I believe it's pronounced on social media, who did a recent interview with Adrian Yanez is the new pronunciation. So let's hear what Adrian is looking for uh, from the MMA masses moving forward. So... Something something kind of fucked me up. Um, I always thought it was Yanez, but then I heard a couple of commentators call you Yanez. So what the fuck is it? It's uh actually like everybody's wrong. <laughs> everybody's wrong. So it's a uh, it's a uh, Yanez. You yeah. know, you know how like uh, Izzy was always saying like add this on ya like that like pretty much almost the same thing. I have the Enya over my end. Uh, for the longest time, I have let. You know, I have let it go on whitewashing my last name, you know, and I am done. You know, I was like, I was talking to people about it and I was like, man, like it just, it's just easy for everybody to say Yanez. And I grew up like with people around me being like, Hey, what's up Yanez? What's up Yanez? And I'm like, everybody's saying my name wrong, but it's a great, like, I feel like that was a great nickname for me. So that, you know, it's, I, I let it go. I let it go. So, uh, now I'm like, you know what? It has the end. Yeah. I want people to say it correctly. Yanez. So our producer, Cody Merrill, was the first to bring this to my attention. So Jan Yez, I would imagine he'll re-record his name when he gets to Las Vegas today or Tuesday, I guess it would have been. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you guys have on that, right? But I would imagine there are a lot of parents who get involved like, hey, man, like, can you tell him it's fucking Jan Yez and stop calling you Adrian Yanez? But a lot of fighters Americanize it to tape, and then uh, and then we get into this sort of gray area. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just Google his name, but I still don't see the Enye. And like when I Google it, there's not one evidence of 
having that Enye uh, in his name. But uh, yeah, no, that's cool, man, that he's uh, he's getting that straightened out. That's cool. Hey, Bri, did you ever see yeah. Kenny Florian on Dr. Phil? Uh, I don't think I did. No, I know. I think you've meant, go ahead. Tell me I have not. No. So check it out. If you're so inclined, great to see our guy, Kenny Florian featured on Dr. Phil at any stage of life, but <laughs> he'd introduce him as Kenny Florini, which we could have done without. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, I remember you making mention Florini. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, making mention of it. Adrian Yanez situation is why we do take pronunciations kind of seriously, not just in my day mm-hmm. job, but also here on the Anakin Florian podcast, because it's a big deal when you hear Adrian, a ranked fighter who some people believe can be world champion, come on and say, I'm done having people fuck up my name. And it's mm-hmm. certainly not our intention. All right. Right. There it Yanez. is. Yanez. All right, no. should we update the standings? I don't know if Ken sure. just you wants know what? to we're good. We, we can just, to, Let's uh, run it. Let's run it. Skip ahead to... All right, fine. I mean, the new rules for the main event challenge in 2024 are going to be a more realistic representation of your bankroll. But Ken Flo's like minus seven G's at this point. Oh, um, you had a five unit bet on Grant Dawson. Sweet. Petrie <laughs> went three and two on the week. You did have a two unit whacker on Grant Dawson, but you had three units on Joaquin Buckley. Petrie goes minus 450. Ken Flo, minus 2125. So, uh, oh, Ken Flo, you're about five G's back at this point. But we're going to spin it forward, guys. UFC That's fight great. night. Yusuf versus Barboza. <laughs> First fight for us, the featured prelim at featherweight. I wanted to get a prediction from you fellas on this. TJ Brown, minus 192. Darren the Damage Elkins, plus 160. So, Brown had won three of four before he was submitted by Bill Algio in April back in Kansas City. Elkins now set for his 28th UFC appearance. 17 UFC wins for Darren Elkins, last seen though in a losing effort against Jonathan Pierce last December. Brian Petrie, I've done a mm-hmm. lot of talking. The floor is yours. Who do you like, Darren Elkins or TJ Brown? Well, when Darren Elkins fights, we got to talk about the tattoo boys, the Have damage. To. And Johnny, you are a tattoo guy. You throw some bets around. I want a realistically number from you. What would it take for you to get the same exact style font? size on your chest how much money would it cost so the damage tattoo with that yeah. electricity font has, on my in. breast region right? yes so what would the number be yeah what's like the lowest you think you could do it oh bry you're really putting yeah. me on the spot I mean, <laughs> no, can, I, can i bide some time to think and sure. throw it back on you have you thought yes. about how you'd answer that i have question? thought about Listen, I'm not John Ennick, so my number would be significantly lower. But literally, if you offered me 25K, I'd do it. I'd do it. I got a big chest. Really? That's, because, that's a long session. Yeah, I think Ennick's coming back with a seven-figure number. Uh, yeah, that's that, what I'm uh, saying. Yeah, I yeah. think 25K is pretty low compared to what John will come with. I might be coming back with a counter offer to see if we can get Patriot to fucking... <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't know. I'll do it. I don't fucking care. We don't care. And again, I know sometimes you and your wife will sit down and watch the proceedings. I mean, do you yeah. think you and your wife would do it for 15K? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? Yeah. So, Pay off my car. I don't care. Aaron Elkins is one of my favorite fighters in the world, but this is an otherworldly bad bad. tattoo, is it not? I mean, unless you're Darren. I mean, he likes it and he is the oh. damage. I mean, the guy bleeds before he steps in the fucking cage. The scar tissue is crazy. But what's even crazier here for me, I'm going to go jump right in the breakdown. No, no pausing here, John. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. TJ Brown's wins are over guys who are either ha- doesn't have a win in the UFC or no longer in the UFC. He's fought some good competition. He's gassed out in some of those things. He's been bullying some of those 
uh, those fights as well. Big, well-put-together guy, but I can't lay this two-to-one over on Darren Elkins here. This is crazy. Darren Elkins is still crafty in the ground. His stand-up is very pushy, but he does have some power. He's got that, that, that old man... Indiana power in there. Um, and I think he can catch he can catch TJ Brown on the feet. You know, when it goes to the ground, it's gonna be interesting. I think Darren Elkins is a scrambler. No one really can just control him on the ground unless you're elite. TJ Brown likes to get to fight to the ground. That's his primary base. He likes to grapple, he likes to get you on the ground. But man, I really like Darren Elkins here at this plus money. I think Eric Elkins can squeeze out maybe a decision, maybe a third round submission. Um, I think TJ Brown would have a significant advantage on the feet if he wants to keep it there. He is improving. He is getting better. He's left Arkansas. He's made some changes. I know him and Bryce are boys, but uh, if he decides to grapple with Darren Elkins, this fight's going to get a whole lot interesting. And I can't lay almost two to one on TJ yeah. Brown when you got a plus money on the damage. So give me Darren Elkins. I, I, I'm confident this pick as much as I could be on a plus 160. Kenny, I heard very little of what Brian had to say. I'm sitting here thinking in my inner monologue how mortified my daughters would be if I took, say, half a million dollars to get the damn tattoo. Yeah. Because every time we go to a water park, like we live in Florida, mm -hmm. my shirt's off a lot. Sure. And just going to water parks and, you know, oh, there's the UFC announcer with the fucking damage tattoo. Or, you know, yeah. like, I just, I, you know, like I may never be able to afford like a golf membership or a second house, but I just, I feel like I'd rather work for the money than get the Instead tattoo. Of, but I guess my number's 500K. If someone wants smart. to to give me 500K because I got three kids, um, <laughs> I guess smart. I'll get the tattoo. Um, I love but it. To the Anakin Florian podcast listenership, and we have a lot of whales out there. If you want to help us, <laughs> right? I'm putting in $1,000, okay? We need $1,000 in order for Brian Petrie to get the damage tattoo. So if our listenership and viewership can come up to $14,000, Brian is forever branded the damage. Kenny, I'll do it. pick on the fight. I love it. We got we got to get the right measurements. We got to make it, uh, you know, it needs to fit on that big chest of Brian. It's a big chest. I, I can't wait to that's see. A long, it. That's a long sit too. I'm gonna have to sit there and take it. I forgot about that. The damage. I love it. Um, <laughs> listen, you know th this fight's interesting. I, I um I am not as confident um in, in Darren Elkins as maybe Brian Petrie is. I do think that there's there are paths to victory for Elkins though. Uh, no question about it. I, I think that um unfortunately, uh, you know I think the damage um, has been a little bit too much on Darren Elkins. Yeah. I, I think that he has slowed down significantly, especially on the feet. I do agree with Brian, though. He does have some power. You have to respect it. I think that Darren Elkins getting on top of you is probably one of your worst nightmares. Why? Because he's got a lot of pressure. He's got a lot of strength. He has the conditioning. And he'll probably be bleeding all over your face at the yeah. same time. So a lot, a lot of factors you got to deal with. However, I do think TJ Brown has enough skills to be able to start Stop those takedowns, um, out grapple him, and, and even out strike him on the feet for sure. But the other issue with Bri which Brian talked about is the conditioning of TJ Brown. That's where I would be very concerned. You know, mid to late part of third round, Darren Elkins still staring you down, backing you up, looking for those takedowns. However, I think TJ Brown still has enough to get the win. I still think the number uh, is worth it here. Yep. Only lock really is that you'll be able to smell Darren Elkins's blood type from the broadcast yeah. booth. <laughs> yep, that's a lock. All right, next up at Bantamweight, this is the main card opener, guys. Christian Rodriguez minus 162, Cameron Simon plus 136. Outstanding matchup at 135 mm -hmm. pounds, Bry. 
Searod's claim to fame, at least for now, the win over Raul Rosas Jr. That was at UFC 287 in Miami back in April. He was then booked against this kid, the talented South African Simon, at UFC Mm -hmm. 290 in July. Rodriguez forced the withdrawal. The fight has been put back together. And now we need a pick, Bri. Which way are you going? Yeah, I love this fight. This is I see some complaints going on. Two young guys. Why are they putting them together so young? But people got to remember... There was a young Frank Yeager, young Gray Maynard that fought. And then they had a great trilogy once Frankie got to the title and Gray was right there. That's what they're hoping for in the UFC. I mean, these 25 C-Rod, 22 Simon. Simon's the only guy I looked at his topology profile and it said fighting out of. It had listed as elementary school. That's how young this guy is. Right. He's coming out of an elementary. And he looks very young too, but he's a good fighter. South African MMA. It's been bubbling for a while. I really think it's over the top now. I think Simon's very, very good. He has grown a lot from his contender series fight to his fights in the octagon he is durable he is tough his stand-up is good his left hook is very good and uh, his ground game good he's an overall well-rounded fighter christian rodriguez is a good striker he can get flashy but sometimes he relies on the grappling as well he's a little bit uh of a bullion there he bullied rojas jr in there i mean ross jr is, is a is a well put together kid but he is 18 years old bully balled him bully balled him in that fight but i think rodriguez has an advantage on the feet but i just worry that maybe he's just going to fade and Simon doesn't go away. And South African MMA is just on fire right now. I'm playing a trend. I'm playing plus money on Cameron Simon. I think he drops the first round, and I think he's going to build on that. I think he's going to have a close second round. I think he's going to win the third round. We have a close fighter in hands here, and I wouldn't be surprised if these guys fight again uh, later in their respective careers. So give me Cameron Simon. I like this kid, and I like the plus money. Nicely done, Bri. Cameron Simon. Kenny, the Dracus Duplessis stablemate. He was born December 22nd, 2000. Affable kid, really starting to let his personality come out. He's creating content, I think maybe even in two languages. Great smile, skills in every area, 3-0 and in the UFC, and uh, all those wins on numbered cards. Now he gets a taste of the UFC Apex, where he won his UFC contract just 14 months ago. How do you think it goes for him against Christian Rodriguez? Well, this was probably the most challenging fight for me to to pick. Mm. I think that both guys are I have very promising futures. I think that uh, both are very similar in how they approach the game. Uh, I'm really impressed with Simon and how he puts together his kicks into his combinations. And there's just so much variety, which uh, and, and how he throws those kicks as well. So uh, I'm ex- I'm excited to see who comes out on top here. I I guess when I'm looking at this fight, I'm looking to see who's further along at this point of their career, who's putting it together just a little bit more, who's faced tougher competition. And I guess I give the edge there to Christian Rodriguez. I think seeing what he did against Rosas, I think was impressive. I do think his conditioning is going to have to be on point. I don't think Simon's going to go away easily. I think he's very dangerous and tricky on the feet. But Rodriguez is as well. This is a very cool customer who more than proved himself in his last fight. I think he's going to build off the momentum coming in here high on confidence and in skills. Uh, Give me Christian Rodriguez here. But uh, I like what Brian said. We may see these guys fight again for sure. Mm-hmm. Great job by both of you fucking guys. And we got disagreement on the first two picks of the day, Love which it. is just outstanding. All right, next fight for us. Quick turn rematch to be contested this time at a catch weight of 130 pounds. Edgar Chires, minus 278. Daniel Lacerda, plus 225. So September 16th, as you guys now know, Noche UFC, premature stoppage by the referee Chris Tognoni. Chires mid-submission. Lacerda seemingly was fine, or perhaps not, depending on who you ask, but it does go into the books as a no contest. 
And now four weeks later, Brian Petrie, they run it back. You like Chira as the favorite or Lacerda the dog? Man, I've never seen so much support behind an 0-1-4-5 in the UFC than Lacerda. This guy is exciting. He gets after it. People love him. People were they're gonna bet him. They're gonna bet him up too. I mean, I know he's a big dog here, but I mean, what I, I know he's exciting, but what I've seen, I've seen a guy who fades, I've seen a guy who fights emotional, I've seen a guy who's a little wild in there as well. And Shirez was picking him apart in that early part of that round. He had that choke in deep. Regardless of if Tyone stepped in early or not, I think he would have finished it anyway. Um, Shirez is another guy who who is not getting his due credit, lost in the contender series, and then lost to an absolute stud in Tatsuya Tyra, who I think will fight for a title one day. So people are sleeping on this kid a little bit. I think he goes in there. I think he's pissed off because, you know, I know Lacerda played the game with the arm and all that shit, but he's upset because he's like, hey, they're, they're, they just took a choke away from me that I probably would have had regardless of what happened or not. So I think he's coming in angry i think there's gonna be a first round finish here i like chirez i think he's gonna either win by knockout or submission um it, it's a hefty card it's a hefty price so i'm not gonna put a, a bunch of money on him because uh he doesn't have a ufc win yet but i do like him big in this spot here really good work there Brian kenny what do you think sort of an interesting circumstance here and uh i think a lot of jujitsu and grappling analysts are on both sides of that previous no contest you know was lacerda playing the game was he actually out um Either way, they're going to try to right the wrong here four weeks later. Yeah, no question about it. I, I think more than anything else, he never should have been in that spot. To me, it showed a lack of grappling awareness. And I think that for Chirez, he's going to go back and just do exactly what he was doing in that fight. And uh, I couldn't agree more with Brian. I think Chirez was in full control of that fight. There was nothing really besides that takedown that Lacerda hit in that fight where I said, well, Lacerda had a chance. He really was getting out grappled. He was getting out struck. When I see something on that level, when I see a certain consistency and theme throughout that fight, yes, we only saw up until round one. Um, I, I need something to change my mind, and I just don't see it at this stage of the game. Hey, maybe Lacerda comes in hot. Uh, but I, I do think he gets a little reckless sometimes. There's holes in his game. Uh, and from what I saw in that first one, there's nothing telling me that Chiris isn't going to win that one. So uh, give me Edgar Chiris. I am wondering how much money can I raise to get people to get bad tattoos? Like, Kenny, this might be a TV <laughs> show where we just go around and just bribe people to get bad tattoos, right? I like maybe, it. Let's maybe do it. the happy dad guys want to get on board with me. It's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Next fight at middleweight. Now, DraftKings Sportsbook has yet to post this fight because we have a short notice situation here. But generally speaking, the prices that are out there right now, Michel Pereira minus 140, Andre Petrovsky plus 120. So Pereira, somewhat surprisingly, has not fought since a split decision win over Santiago Ponzinibbio. That was all the way back in May of 2022. He still has the five-fight winning streak in tow. But he's seen a lot of big fights go away most recently, of course, missing weight for the fight with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson that didn't happen. Now, perhaps forcibly, Bry moves up to middleweight. And instead of facing the initial opponent, Marc-Andre Barrio, it's going to be Petrosky. What do you mm -hmm. think about this fight? Close, at least on paper, so it would appear. Yeah, this is the toughest fight for me to pick for sure. Um, yeah, I saw those lines, those opening lines is why I figured Protoski was going to be the slight dog. And this is a guy I fade all the time. I, I I never get him right, you know, and because I saw some earlier stuff in the UFC where I wasn't impressed, but he's really 
come along. I mean, he's built like a fucking shit brick house. He's got a couple extra C's in those sticks, right? <laughs> and Michelle Pereira, that guy's huge. I mean, 170 is, he's not long for 170. 185 is going to be his weight class. He is absolutely massive. So I like the move to 85, at least temporarily, short notice fight against a grappler. And that's what's really hanging me up here is Pereira. I haven't seen him fight a grappler yet. They get him in there with strikers because he's got that Capoeira style, the fancy kicks. And they were, let's, let's have them banging out. Let's have them banging out with these people. Um, and you don't really see him in there against grapplers. He lands takedowns himself because he uses his size to get guys down. He also has pretty good technique. But that's not going to fly with Petrovsky. Petrovsky is a really good grappler. He claims that he is stating repeatedly he is the best grappler in the division. He's called for Bo Nickel. He's called for these guys' names, which I like. That's a confident young man right there. Uh, and again, you're giving me plus money on you know, a good grappler. I'm going to go Petrosky here. I'm not confident in it. I don't love it, but I do love plus money, and I think I'm chasing the money a little bit right now. But uh, I just think that he's going to at some point be a little bit too much man for Pereira right now. Pereira's been fighting 170 guys for the past few years. And I think Petrosky is a thick boy for 185. Yeah. And he's going to look of get this fight to the ground. And not only does he have good wrestling, he does actually have good grappling with some good submissions. Um, not saying that's the, the path to victory or that's how it's going to happen. But you know, if you give me a huge plus number, I'm going to play play it, but give me Petrosky. Yeah. These boys are going to look like light heavyweights and come fight night. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They're massive, big. right? Like Michel yeah. Pereira. I don't know what he's going to look like. He might be 225 pounds on fight night, right? <laughs> Kenny, Andre Petrosky got past Gerald Merchart. Split decision win for him at UFC 292 in Boston. That was in August. He's 5-0 in the UFC. Still a developing striker, to be sure. He did not look good on the feet against Gerald Merchart, and he would probably tell you as much. A lot of room for imp improvement. Big opportunity. Petrosky's always in the gym. Clearly stepping up here for a matchup that he likes against the versatile Michel Pereira. How do you think he fares? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you know, I, I think this is as close to a striker striker grappler matchup that you'll get in the UFC. Obviously, everyone does everything nowadays, but I, I think for Petrosky, you know, he certainly has some holes and vulnerabilities on the feet. Um, I think we have seen some good spots, though, of him looking to integrate his striking into his takedowns. When he's doing that, he looks clean. He's in that boxing range. He shoots in. He puts you on your back. He controls you. He beats you up. I think he could absolutely do that here against uh, Pereira. Uh, I think, though, Pereira, uh, of course, can uh, expose some of those vulnerabilities on the feet. Pereira, there's not a whole lot you can predict on what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. That's what makes him so dangerous. However, I'm with Brian here. We haven't seen him go against a... A uh, high-level grappler or even a, a high-level takedown artist. I think that is probably more accurate. Um, mm -hmm. And I think Petrosky could be that kryptonite to his game to be able to put him on his back, control him, uh, and, and beat him up. Um, Pereira on his back doesn't seem to be as comfortable. I think Pereira, if he gets on top, I think he'll be just fine. Um, but Petrosky wants to put that dude on his back. I think that's where maybe it will end up. I think if he can be consistent enough and safe enough on the outside when he is on the feet, that he can do that and win this fight and, and kind of get the surprise win here. All right, next up, featured bout in the Bantamweight division. Jonathan Martinez, minus 112. Adrian Yanez, minus 105. So Yanez, number 14 in the world. Martinez looking to take his number. Martinez not ranked, Bri, mm -hmm. despite the fact that he's won five in a row, has the Factory X product. But as such, slight favorite here on the betting side against maybe the more credentialed Yanez. Do you have a play for us on this one at 135? 
Yeah, I love this fight. Jonathan Martinez has started his UFC career very inconsistent. You know, I think he's really, he, he filled out too. His body really filled out. He's, his takedown defense shirt up, which was a problem in his debut. And he's got a great up middle knee. He's got some knockouts from that. He's got great leg kicks and boxing and great coaching. Um, level competition's been mixed, but he's winning. That's all that matters, right? His last time out, I, th- I thought he lost. I thought he lost that fight, but it, it's a win on paper. Who cares what I think? And Yanez is a stud. I love this kid. I truly do. Um, he, he kills on a remember the show. Shout out. Remember the show. Jason and Bala Muhammad, uh, great show. He's, he, he has a mind for MMA. Um, yeah, I know that, I know that Rob font loss hit him hard. Um, it was a, it was a big step up in competition for him, which he, he is ready for. In my opinion, I think he just made some slight mistakes on a fight. I think he got a little over aggressive. I think he got hit more often than he thought. And then he bit down on his mouthpiece and goes, all right, let's fucking go. And then was getting countered against a stud and Rob Font. There's no shame in that. I think he's only going to get better from that. I think he's a workhorse. Um, I like him big in this spot. I think Yanez is going to get a knockout here. I think it's going to be second, third round knockout. First round, he's going to not rush like he did in the Rob Font uh, fight. Really uh, pick his shots because uh, Jonathan Martinez doesn't throw a ton of volume, but he does throw some impactful shots. You got to watch out for the leg kicks. But I think Yanez's, Yanez's hands are just too good, too good. And uh, Martinez has been knocked out before David Grant caught him with a left hook. Wouldn't be surprised if a left hook happens because Yanez has uh, all the tools in his hand. So uh, I like this fight. I like it so much, and, the, and he's standing up for himself. Give me dose units, dose units, two extra units on Yanez. Uh, that's how confident I am. And what a pivot on the pronunciation by Brian Petrie as well. Just <sighs> soft. You know, hard, my brain's melting right now. That was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. <laughs> Kenny, a lot of fan steam on this matchup here. Adrian Yanez, slightly to the underdog against Jonathan Martinez. Who do you like? Yeah, this is a a very interesting one. Um, You know, I I think Brian broke it down really well about his last fight. The problem is, though, I I think that's not a one-off. We've seen Yanez take a lot of damage in, in other fights. He does get hit. He's very hittable. And it's hard for me to be that confident in someone like Yanez if um, he continues with that style. For me, I want to see that Yanez is when, when he's slipping and ripping, when he's moving that head, when he's keeping those hands up high, when he's not watching his work in the pocket. He is absolutely fearless. That's what makes him so dangerous. It, it's what makes him such a good fighter. But at the same time, he also is vulnerable in that process. And Martinez is nothing to sneeze at. This kid is a killer. Make no mistake about it. I think the difference here is he's not getting the same love and hype as someone like Yanez. And for me, I think Martinez can absolutely win this fight. Um, again, if Yanez comes in here sharp with proper defense, he could win this fight. Wouldn't be surprised to see him win and maybe even win by knockout. So with you on that, Brian, but it's hard for me to rely on Yanez's defense coming off of that last fight. Maybe he surprises us and he's back and I'm back on that Yanez train. However, um, I'm going with Martinez here. I Ooh. think he's just he's coming in here a little bit too silent, a little bit too dangerous. And yeah. I think he's kind of primed for a big win at this stage of his career. Love it. Martinez, hard guy to fade in current form. Once again, dissension on that particular fight. All right, co-main event in the women's flyweight division. Former world title challenger Jennifer Maya, minus 135. Viviani Araujo is plus 114. So Maya has won two in a row. Last win came in March, UFC 286. Unanimous decision over Casey O'Neill. Now she faces Araujo Bry, who has dropped two mm. in a row in three of her last four. Vivi needs a win. Your thoughts on her here against Jennifer Maya in the co-main event? 
Yeah, I, so I've actually had a pretty good record betting for against Jennifer Maya. I'm almost a Jennifer Maya whisperer. <laughs> you know, everyone knows I already know chicks. You know what I mean? I know chicks. So uh, with this fight, I just think volume is going to play a factor here. I think Vivian, I'm not going to try to pronounce her last name. I'm, I've been having a really good show right now. And <laughs> I don't want to fuck it up. So I'm going to go Vivi. I think I think she's powerful. She debuted in the UFC with a knockout, but hasn't been able to come back and, and win by knockout since then. She's mixing in takedowns, which is great. I think uh, the the grappling is going to fall on Jennifer Maya's side. Jennifer Maya is also just durable. She's tough. She can mix in. Uh, the Casey Neal fight was impressive. I, I have Casey Neal very ranked very highly, um, and she just out outpointed her, out outstruck her, and that's what Jennifer Maya has been doing lately. No, no takedowns needed. But if she needs a takedown against Vivi, I think she can do it here. Uh, small number. I like the favorite here. I think Jennifer Maya by decision, um, just basically out voluming her and and being a better overall mixed martial artist. Cantlow, Viviani out of plus 114. Jennifer Maya, minus 135, the favorite right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Who do you like? Gosh, you know, I, I think this is an interesting one as well. I, I do think that, you know, when I'm looking at this fight, I, I, I'm, I'm watching fight I'm watching fight footage of Araujo, and I'm looking for something to say, hey, she could finish this one, or she could, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't think she can outpoint her. Um, so I'm looking at, does she have the power? Does she have the submission skills to take out Maya? And, and she doesn't, in, in my opinion. I think she's tough because she continues to come forward, and she is literally tough. She has a good chin. She comes forward, all that stuff. I think Maya just has too much experience, and I think she'll win the game when it comes to outpointing her opponents. I think she's good at diffusing pressure. I also think she's good at leading with it as well, backing up her opponents. So because of that, I, I like Maya here. All right, and then lastly, we go right back to Kenny Florian to lead our main event in the featherweight division. First-time headliner, Sadiq Youssef, minus 162, taking on Edson Jr. Barboza, who is plus 136. 29th UFC appearance for Barboza. Finished Billy Corantello and did so as an underdog his last time out. On the other side, Sadiq Youssef, 6-1 and one of the UFC. Only octagon loss came against Arnold Allen. That was back in April of 2021 monumentally huge litmus test for Sadiq Yusuf at this stage of his career, Ken Flo. How do you think he fares against Edson Barboza? Yeah, very interesting fight. And I don't think it gets any easier because for me, the big question in my mind is which Edson Barbosa are we going to see here? Um, I think that when you're talking about leg kicks, when you're talking about speed, Edson Barbosa is one of those guys I always think about. He's lightning fast. His leg kicks are, are a big time problem. Sadiq Youssef, I think, is a very good striker in his own right. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's it's difficult to contend with that level of experience as well. And I think if you're getting an inspired Edson Barbosa, it, it could be a very difficult out for Sadiq Youssef. And I think that for a lot of people looking at this, they see a fresher fighter and Sadiq Youssef, uh, a guy who has a ton of talent, a ton of potential. But I, I still kind of believe in Edson Barbosa. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you know there are problems with his game um, sometimes when he's backing up. I think that some of that was fixed in his last time out. Um, does Sadiq Youssef possess the grappling skill and the wrestling pressure that can give Barbosa an issue? 
I don't think so. I, I like Barbosa in this spot. I think there's enough value for me uh, to, to to bet his way. He has also been one of those guys that has been very difficult for me to predict how he's going to come away uh, um, you know, with this fight, whether it's a win or a loss, or how he's going to even look in a win or a loss. It's kind of all over the place for me. But I think there's enough fuel in Edson Barbosa, enough inspiration in him uh, to get the win here. So give me the Brazilian. All right, Edson Barboza can still be had. Plus 136 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Physically, he looks to be in outstanding shape if his Instagram page is any indicator. I do think Sadiq Youssef will be trained to wrestle and grapple. Of course, Lloyd Irvin always has him well prepared. Uh, Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on Sadiq Youssef here, Brian, the main event, his first in the UFC against Edson Barboza. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on Barbosa's body. I mean, can we just appreciate a man's body for a second here? I mean, it is insane. When he was at 55 and I heard he was cutting down to 45, I'm like, Where's the weight coming from? Now he's at 45. He's even more shredded. There's muscles he has that no one else has. Like in 10 years, it's your new ab muscles could be called the Barboza muscle because this fucking guy, it it just has it, right? And I think he looked great against Billy Q. I thought Billy Q's pressure was going to break him, and it did it. And he still has some dynamic power. And you got Steve Yusu, who I love. Top three contender series fight against Mike Davis. And coming off that show, I thought this was the guy. Not Sugar Sean, not some of the other guys. I thought this guy was going to skyrocket. I know he had some injuries, but if you look at his record, it's been a little kind of a stalemate. Not the biggest names. He has an Arnold Allen fight in there. Very close fight. I think he got dropped in that fight, which I think twice, which I think ultimately gave Arnold Allen those rounds. But other than that, a very close fight. And he's only landed one takedown in the UFC, and that's against Alex Caceres. So the takedown, the wrestling, that's obviously the path to victory. But does he have it? You know, he is a very good striker. He likes to pick his shots. He's powerful. Only landed one takedown against Caceres scares me if we want to bet, oh, Sadiq's going to go the wrestling route. He has a great camp. But, you know, we haven't seen it. And Barboza, underratedly, I mean, I know he's been taken down a lot. That's the path to victory. But 72% takedown offense. And it's the guys that get him on the second or third shot, not the first shot. First shot he defends. It's the second or third. And I don't know if Sadiq has that in his game. And if you look at Barboza, he loses to the, the elite grapplers and the elite strikers. Is Sadiq an elite striker? Haven't seen it yet. I think Barboza is. Barboza, usually when he gets in there against a guy that fancies some of striker, he butchers him. I mean, look at the Dan Hooker fight. Dan Hooker was on fire, and he just broke him down. Um, I love Barboza in this spot. I love the plus money here. I'm rooting for Sadiq. I think new blood at 145 will be interesting. But Barboza at 37, I think he's really just, at this point, fighting because he loves it. Because I don't know if a title is ever going to be there anymore with, with his age and, and with the losses. But um, this is a guy that's a dangerous guy because he's going out there having fun. And uh, when a guy out there with all those weapons having fun, that's a guy you want to bet for. So uh, give me the plus money on Barboza. All right, we'll see how long that number lasts. Both guys like Edson Barboza in the plus 136 range in the main event this Saturday night. If you want more from Brian Petrie, why would you not? At Brian Petrie MMA, host of the MMA Takes podcast. And uh, we'll see, man. We'll see if we can get the fun going. You might be getting inked here in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> Let's do it. I got it. Going. I got it. I got a tattoo artist. I'll, I'll let him know. And he's going to be like, really? This is what, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting paid. Yeah, yeah, really. Just fucking do it. Don't tell me about this. Dude. I think so. that's going to be the challenge is getting a tattoo artist is going to be like, yeah, that's my work. That, uh, is this, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to put my name on this. Don't tell yeah, me. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, big week forthcoming next Monday as we break down UFC no 294. Way. We'll talk to you then. See you, boys. Uh, Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. And that is a wrap on a very busy week. We hope everybody enjoys the UFC fight night. Sadiq Yusuf and Edson Barboza. And of course, we are right back with you on Monday. 
All hands on deck as we preview UFC 294, Makhachev versus Oliveira 2, coming up from Abu Dhabi on October 21st. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrill. For Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. We'll talk to you next Monday, pay-per-view week. Can't wait. Until then, be well, be safe, be healthy, be happy. Prayers up to everybody fighting in the world. We'll talk to you on Monday. You'll later. I'm a stutter verse, I break at least three commandments Kinda like Pluto because I never planned it I'm outlandish in the way that make the patches look Like they own ranches, it's the art of war Your blood's the only color on the canvas And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip-hop You got it every time you walk in the label The A&R's like not it, immune to your shit Cause I circle, circle, dot, dotted Body heat is intoxic, we gotta beat, I don't got it Speak competency, start to think psychically Make the speakers speak elitistly Off the high horse, make an ass of the views Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues My favorite DJ got those Six extra L's to abuse Esoteric John P And I'm the nuclear school I'm Raider Ellis Nice to meet you Short bust of my styles Egocentric Ego tripping with Frequent flyers miles DJ wants to get in the bird He gets in the bird And bird Takes the shot He's You wanna sit it on us We got commandos on us We rep the veterans Now's a good time to remember Where the story of tequila started In 1795 The first tequila distillery Was opened by the Cuervo family And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.